In Focus is brought to you in association with the Government of Japan. Japan, sharing tomorrow. Hello and welcome to In Focus, a brand new programme putting Japan and its role as a global leader in improving cities and societies firmly in focus. In the episodes ahead, we'll document just some of the achievements that this remarkable country has made in innovation, technology, education, and progressive social policy. Come with us as we meet a diverse range of people working on cutting edge communication tools and a global campaign for gender equality. Today, we meet some fearless innovators who are crafting new technology to make Japan open to all and delivering a truly inclusive society. We begin our Japanese journey in Tokyo to discover some new technologies that are being developed to bring people together. Whether that's helping people with disabilities communicate with their colleagues or cross the road safely, or translation tools to help tourists. We'll start with Live Talk, an AI based translation service that's been developed by Fujitsu. It looks a bit like an online chat program. You connect with the person you want to speak to and talk into a microphone. Your words flash up on your screen, and on theirs, it's translated in real time. You can see the cogs turning as the words transform into sentences before your very eyes, making it easy to understand what your acquaintance is saying without the awkward pause between exchanges. Monocle's Kenji Hall went to Fujitsu in Tokyo to meet one of Live Talk's creators, Toshikazu Fukuoka, and find out its capabilities. It started off as a small idea when I was in the bath. I was wondering what could possibly be fun to develop, and I started wondering about how it would become possible for people with hearing disabilities to live their daily lives in the same way as others. And then I thought that, well, if they were to listen to a foreign language, they would still not understand, and that would be the same as their not being able to hear at all. I then decided to take that idea and run with it. There were already so many translation engines in the world, I was just wondering how to make it more instantaneous. So I'm going to, in the middle of this, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about how this technology works and how it's working for us. Um, as I'm asking the questions, they're showing up on a screen in front of us on a computer, and they're showing up in real time. And as he's speaking, uh, if we were to rig this up so that it would translate for him as well, we would see the characters appear in Japanese. And it's, it's doing a couple of things. And this is where I'm going to ask you about how this technology works. Because, you know, AI is part of how this thing works. And I'd like to ask, how does AI help with this particular technology? Well, firstly, AI will understand the link between the spoken and written words and be able to translate and put drawings and motifs to those spoken words. 
AI will first learn how, for example in Japanese, the sound A looks a certain way. And then, once it hears those words that include the A, it will be able to recognize the sound and understand how to translate that onto paper. And if it hears something similar, it will look into its dictionary and see whether or not there are words that do include such sounds. And so, even if there were some mistakes in the spoken words, AI should be able to recognize these mistakes. My idea was that AI should start translating at the same time as the individual starts speaking. Even though there is that little blank in the beginning, our devices translate smoothly and simultaneously. And when you're done speaking, there are just two characters that will come out and you're done. You're able to respond. The other thing that I find really interesting about this particular technology is that it's adjusting itself in real time. Say, for instance, you're speaking and it's appearing on this screen in front of us. At the same time, it's adjusting parts of the sentence in real time. That seems to me pretty revolutionary. Yes, I agree. AI actually adjusts according to what people are saying. And as people are speaking, it will gradually shift its meaning. But the device will kind of recognize the meaning of the sentence from the beginning onwards. And so, from a native's perspective, you will already understand what the individual is trying to convey. How do you think this technology makes Japan a communications technology leader? Japan is quite advanced technology-wise. I mean, we're about to release 5G, and it has been said that 5G's speed is incredible. Live talk does streaming, translations, and I think it's crucial for people to be able to use this device without fearing that it will cut or bug. And I therefore believe that it would be interesting to pair these devices. Live talk is about diversity. It's not about everyone speaking the same language, but about people being able to communicate, interact and work together. It isn't so much about homogenizing languages, but it is easier to express your feelings through your own native words, and so live talk would make this type of communication easier. LiveTalk has been deployed among an increasing amount of companies and it's currently available in 21 languages, providing ample opportunity for this to be used around the world. One user is Yoshiki Matsuda, or Yoshi for short, a designer at Fujitsu with a hearing impairment who's been trialling LiveTalk as a tool to improve communication in his day-to-day working life. Until now, I was never able to communicate directly on the spot. It was difficult to properly express myself. When I used to communicate with others, I would read their lips, but doing this is very tiring. And so with this technology, I do not need to read their lips, and it helps me a lot. It's difficult reading lips in everyday conversations, meetings, and during longer sessions with bigger groups of people. Live talk helps me group up conversations and enables me to communicate with one or two people at the same time. I had lots of times where I did wonder what I could possibly use in order to communicate better with others, and this device really helps me at work. It also helps to translate, as my way of talking is not the same way of talking as normal people. The technology's ability to translate as you go means that for the first time, Yoshi is experiencing conversations in real time. 
The ability I have now to be able to communicate in real time, on the spot, means that I can think at the same time, which means that I'm able to discuss with other people at the same time. But live talk isn't the only Japanese technology that's helping disabled people feel more included in society. Another example is Ninnin. Okay, uh, it's a tiny robot. It's about uh, 30 centimeters and it's about、uh, 400 grams, so it's light and small. And basically, you put it onto your left shoulder. That's Tomohiro Sawada, who developed Ninnin, which looks like a small feline ninja. The idea is that it connects two users so that one can help the other get around. He says the key concept is sharing body functions. For example, through the robot, you can share your vision with someone who is blind or translate for a foreigner who doesn't speak the language. Basic thing he does is to navigate, you know. He can be your eyes, he can be your ears, sometimes he can be your nose, maybe. The reason why I made this robot is because of my son, and he's six years old, and he's、uh, visually impaired. And、uh, as a dad, I wanted to make something for him to make his life better when he grows up. So, the point of、uh, Ninnin is that we do not depend on AI, artificial intelligence. We depend on HI, which is human intelligence. So, the point is, some people are inside Ninnin, you know, from remote p l a c e We are putting people who are.、Uh, Physically handicapped into Nini, who cannot move and has to stay at their home or hospital you know, all day long, but can see and in some way can talk. you know. So the、uh, people who are physically handicapped put on the phone and、uh, start the Nini application and push the button share, which means I'm sharing my body parts to somebody else. And you can share your eyes to the visually impaired people. Tomohiro hopes that Ninnin doesn't just help people get around, but also helps them communicate more. We want Ninnin to be the、uh, trigger to start new、uh, relationships or start a new conversation between people, you know? Because、so, it can connect people easily. One user of Ninnin is Saki Amuro, who's blind. She explains how Ninnin's been helping her. I was introduced to Ninnin when the company was trying to test it out. I tried it out by first walking outside, and I was in a place where I'd never been before. But Ninnin managed to guide me across the streets, tell me when the lights at the crossing were red or green, and even asked me if I wanted to buy drinks at a vending machine. I live by myself and often do walk in the streets by myself. And even though there are crossing lights for blind people, there are a lot of lights without sounds. I don't know how to tell them apart between red and green, and it's very dangerous and scary to cross at a red light. I feel much safer now that I'm aware of when I'm able to cross the road. So, how exactly does it work? Let's take the vending machine as an example. First, Ninin will tell me where the vending machine is. And then I tell Ninnin what kind of drink I wish to purchase. Then he tells me which row and number the drink is, and then where I should pay. I've been rescued by other people, 
and often there isn't much that they can do. Ninnin serves as a device through which we are able to see. And when you're going to the supermarket with someone, you can only explicitly say, I want that, but don't have the ability to window shop. And I wonder if perhaps we will be able to someday, be able to do these kind of things. There are many devices which require time and perseverance to learn how to use them. With Ninnin, I don't need to learn anything. I'm able to speak to it. I think that this device is probably the easiest one to use. I want to travel, but first I need to try out buses and trains. And if I'm able to borrow someone's eyes, I believe that I could maybe go abroad. To get a better idea of how well the world is doing at making technology accessible to disabled people and what needs to change, we give Dr Helen Petrie a call. Dr Petrie is a professor of human-computer interaction at the University of York in the UK. She's researching, designing and evaluating technology for disabled and older people. We've made enormous strides in using technology to help people with disabilities and indeed older people. Our lives have all become much more technologically embedded, so we all use mobile phones, we all use the internet, we all use ATMs to get money out of the bank now. And we need to be making those technologies accessible to everybody, including people with disabilities, so they're not left behind. And also, As new technologies emerge, we can use them to help people with disabilities overcome the problems they have in everyday life. But I think there's still work that needs to be done, particularly in terms of people don't want to be isolated with technologies, they want to be connected with other people. In Japan, they're doing fantastic research. I think it's interesting that attitudes to robots, I think, are quite different in Japan than in Europe, and people are more accepting of robots in Japan. Dr Petrie says that one of the advantages of Nin-Nin is this human connection. I thought it had some really positive aspects that I liked a lot. One of the things I liked a lot was that it wasn't just leaving the blind person with the technology. It was connecting them with another disabled person who had a kind of complementary skill that could help the blind person. So then the the person who was physically disabled at home gets a sense of achievement of helping someone who's got a different disability. These technological advancements are a step in the right direction, but what does Japan and the wider world need to consider in order to make these technologies commonplace? Yoshi, our Live Talk user from earlier, says it's not just the technology, but the people you're communicating with in the room. I think live talk is already quite good, but you can't use it by yourself. You have to have people around you. If any changes were to be made, then I think it should be about raising awareness of these impairments and use other mediums like sign language or maybe creating a system of being able to input drawings and signs into the internet into a device which would then reproduce its meaning. 
Shinji Sudo is a design expert and founder of the People Design Institute. He has a son with cerebral palsy, and so is a big advocate for how design is done inclusively. There is a stigma around disabled people. In order to stop that stigma, I think it's important to not just face it on paper or learn about it through books, but it's crucial to interact with these individuals. And so my company is focused on four particular areas. The first is creation, the creation of technology and products. The second thing is the creation of goods and the participation in events. The third is the creation of employment. It, it's very difficult for people with disabilities to find jobs. And the purpose of this is to find opportunities for them. And lastly, education, which we've been focused on for the last 10 years. In regards to technological developments like Live Talk, Shinji Sudo thinks that the biggest hurdle in making technology for disabled users is making it appealing to everyone. If this technology is included into these kind of devices, then people without disabilities would also be able to use them, and therefore the market would expand for it. With the expansion of the market, there would be a growth in competition, and the price of the device would go down, and so it would easily become a commodity in the everyday market. An important element to think about is that you can make a marketable object for the minority if it's appealing and understood by the majority. Dr. Helen Petrie agrees and says that technology needs to be developed with disabled people in mind from the very beginning. If you design something for everybody or nearly everybody from the beginning, you actually get better solutions and it's cheaper rather than designing something for young, able-bodied people and then thinking, oh, hang on, you know, older people or blind people have to use this technology, they have to get money out of the bank, how do we retrofit it? With both artificial and human intelligence at the root of Japan's strides in creating new technology, it's clear that their efforts are focused on using tech to create a better human connection, ultimately leading towards a more inclusive society with communication at the very heart of it. That brings us to the end of today's episode of In Focus, brought to you in association with the Government of Japan. Join us in a few weeks when we'll be looking at Ladies First, an initiative that sees Japan join forces with Tanzania to encourage Tanzanian women to get into sport. And we'll head to Dar es Salaam to see the Ladies First event in action and learn how sport is such a great force for inclusion and international relationships. That's next time on In Focus. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.